0: All right, good morning, church. Glad you guys are here with us today. Uh, we are starting a brand new series here at Ignite called I Quit. <laughs> and I don't know uh, why, maybe maybe you'll resonate with this too, but I resonate with those sentiments, the whole I quit kind of thing. Let me, let me give you some examples. How many of us would say we're ready to quit 2020 and move on to something better, right? I mean, I think all of us are kind of like, man, I am just sick of this. Uh, how many of us would say we're, we're sick of the COVID-19 and all the inconveniences that come, kinda, and the craziness that's come along with that? Anybody, here? if we could, we would choose to quit that, right? Wouldn't that be awesome like say, no more of that kind of stuff how about let, let's move on to politics how many of us already would say man i'm ready to quit politics i've had enough in fact i've, I've had enough for years and we're, we're only getting going as we come into another presidential season how many are like i've had enough if it was up to me i'd opt out like i do not need that i quit I mean, how many of us would say that we uh, are ready to quit sort of this whole fear of the unknown stuff with going, whether, whether it be going back to school or job stuff or the economy or, or all that kind of stuff. Just this last week, Peoria County issued a health advisory for, for our uh, for our county. It's, it's left us as a church going, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us as a church? What does that mean for us? With schools, colleges are asking, what does that mean for us as universities and as colleges? uh, So many of us, I think, are just sort of over all of the craziness of this era. We're going to say, I quit. I I quit the negativity. I quit all the junk that's going on. I'm over it, and I bet you are too. So we're going to spend a few weeks here talking about some of the cycles and some of the habits that I, I really believe that if we could let go of in this season, it would make a huge difference in our lives. I mean, I don't want any of us checking out of 2020 for real. I don't, and, and I don't think we'll be able to check out of, of COVID-19 anytime super soon. So I'm not talking about those. But I wonder if there's some ways that we can quit maybe with some of the negativity that seems to just consume so much of our lives these days. I wonder if there's ways that we can quit worrying about the unknown or quit, you know, Participating in the divisiveness and the argumentativeness of our culture right now, even ways that we can kind of quit playing God and trying to control everything and everyone around us in this season. You see what I'm saying? So for a few weeks, we're going to kind of take a look at some uh, some of these things from God's book, see what some of these things might be that we could quit, Uh, and likewise, what are some things that we could add into our lives that would make a huge difference for our own souls' sake, for our own joy, our own peace. Uh, and our own relationship with god today i want to jump uh into the top the first topic and talk about quit running from god <laughs> today we're going to learn uh some of these lessons from the ultimate runner in scripture a guy by the name of jonah how many of us at least have have heard of the story of jonah before is that something that you're like yeah i've heard of that Now, the reason I'm going to start with this topic of of running from God is because I really believe that in this season, there's a lot of ways in which God is trying to get our attention, ways that he's trying to speak to us, ways that he's trying to woo us and draw us back to himself. And in so many ways, instead of leaning in and pursuing him and drawing close to him, instead of finding comfort and stability uh, in all that we need in him, it seems like it's so easy for us to run away and run to other things. It's so easy for us to look in all kinds of other places. And I really believe that like Jonah, the pain level for us is going to keep going up and up and up until we stop running and turn back to God. It's not the circumstances that are going to change that's going to make a difference in our lives. I really think the peace and what the Bible teaches, the peace and contentment, joy, stability, the things that our souls crave in this season are found when we quit running from God and we turn back to him and look to him for all that we need and crave. Alright, so with that, we're going to kind of jump into the story of Jonah a little bit. We're going to start out, I'm going to read most of chapter 1, a little bit of chapter 2 and kind of summarize for us uh, some of that. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them up to Jonah chapter 1 or you can follow on in the Next Church app. We'll put them up on the screens if you can see them too. But Jonah chapter 1 starting with verse 1 says this. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And then there's these three little words. But Jonah ran. <laughs> so so let me kind of just start out. I'm gonna stop there and make just a couple comments, and then we'll, we'll kind of keep, keep going with the story. But first of all, and this is sort of elementary, and most of us would be like, well, duh. But, but it's, it's worth noting. The, the first thing that, that, that I noticed it starts up right away. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. God spoke. To Jonah, right? He spoke to God. And he, our God is a God who speaks, who leads, who directs, who busts into our lives. And I just think it's it's good to be reminded of that, that not only did God speak to Jonah, but God is speaking to you and to me all the time as well. He speaks uh, two primary ways, right, that the Bible teaches. The, the first one is that he speaks through his word, right? Every time we open up his book. That we understand and know that this is not some dusty old book written thousands of years ago that has nothing to do with us. That is not the Bible. The Bible is literally God's word, and every time we open it, If we will listen with soft hearts, God will speak to us, right? He will lead us and direct us. It's happened to millions and billions of people throughout history. They've opened up the pages of this book and met the living God in the midst of it. Their lives have been transformed. they found encouragement and peace in the midst of terrible storms and seasons in their lives. Uh, Somebody famous here, I think it's Moody or somebody that says, uh, God never shuts his mouth until you shut his book, right? And I'm like, thats it's true, it's powerful. And, and so often for us, I think there's a good challenge here. The living God is speaking but we've got to be willing to stop to open up his book and listen and to put that into practice in our lives. The living God is speaking. He speaks through his word. The Bible also teaches he speaks through his spirit. right? He's He's constantly nudging and the more we align ourselves with his word, learn to hear his voice in the pages of his book, the more we can learn to discern that voice uh, in the rest of our lives as well as the, as the Holy Spirit is nudging us, and he'll nudge us in all kinds of ways, but in ways he'll remind us of of scriptures, of promises, of truths in his word. He might nudge us to do something, that ways to live out his mission, or or show his love, express his love. He is speaking to us constantly, and the question that always has to get asked is, are we listening? And are we listening with hearts that are wide open, saying, yes, God, lead, speak, and all follow? Or are we a little bit more like Jonah? If If God speaks, and it's something that we don't want, we're a little bit more, more likely to say, yeah, not so much, and run the other way. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, just like who comes to you and me, and he says, God speaks, it says, go to Nineveh and warn them, basically, to come back to me, to turn to me, uh, to find grace. Otherwise, it's going to be bad for them. A little bit of background here. Nineveh. Anybody know anything about Nineveh? Is that uh, the Jews and the Ninevites have really good relationship in this era? Is that like a good thing, bad thing? bad okay you guys are you guys are sharp nineveh was actually the the capital of the assyrian empire it was known primarily for its brutality they would come in and conquer people and after they won the war they would just Slaughter. I mean, they would just do horrible, horrific kinds of things. There's all kinds of stories peppered throughout history that they were so brutal that even if, if a, a city would hear that the Assyrian army had already conquered the warriors and were coming to that city, sometimes people would just kill themselves ahead of time because they, they thought this is better than actually what they will do to us. They were known for unbelievable brutality. Jonah and his people hated The people of of Nineveh. They they hated them, right? They hated the Assyrians. They hated uh, the Ninevites. And so when God speaks and says, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to to proclaim a message and tell them, man, it's going to be bad for them. If they don't turn back to me, if they don't repent and and, and quit running and turn back to me, it's going to be bad. In, in, all honesty, uh, in all honesty, Jonah would prefer that the bad would happen to them, right? And you'd be like, no, no, you don't understand. I don't want you to be gracious to them. I want them to get what they deserve. Again, they were known for unbelievably brutal acts. And so Jonah wanted them to get what was coming to him. And so, and so God calls to Jonah. His name ironically means the peaceful one. Isn't that ironic? God calls to Jonah, the peaceful one. It says, Jonah, go to Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria, and warn them that they need to turn to me and find forgiveness or else I'm going to come and bring judgment. Go ahead, Jonah. You know, like, go on over, step on over. And he's like, no stinking way. And so he turns And he runs the other way. I mean, just to give you, I was trying to think of an example of what might be a a similar uh, call that God might give to somebody. just Just to give you the same sort of feel, imagine, for instance, that God were to call to you and say, Hey, I want you to go to the Ku Klux Klan. And and share with them this message of hope and encouragement that if they turn to me, they can find forgiveness and grace. Right? I mean, we might have a similar sort of visceral reaction of saying, "Uh, no, <laughs> like, I don't want them to." I mean, like it's that kind of or or uh, ISIS back in the day, or like terror, like terrorists, or, like that. Anyway, it's a similar message of like, go to them and tell them the path of salvation, so they can find forgiveness and restoration with God. Your knee-jerk reaction might be. No, and that's exactly what Jonah says here. Jonah, when he's told go to Nineveh, he's like, um, no, and he turns around and runs. And that kind of brings us to the first thing that I'm, I'm just reminding us of and, and talking to us about is that we're all runners, right? That's the, the story of the Bible reminds us that all of us run from God in one way or another. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, the Lord and he headed for Tarshish, right, which is the opposite end of the world, pretty much, uh, for. Nineveh. So God asked Jonah to do something hard, something that doesn't make sense, something that he doesn't want to do, and Jonah runs. And maybe you can relate to it. I know I can. Has God ever asked you to do something that you didn't want to do? Something that was this maybe so countercultural and so counterintuitive that it just sounded crazy. And so instead of following him, you decided to run the other way. Maybe, maybe there's been an individual for you, somebody that hurt you deeply and that hurt you repeatedly over and over and over and God started speaking to you. The word of the Lord came to you and said, you know what? I want you to forgive them. I want you I want you to pour out grace on them. I want you to treat them with love. Even though they don't deserve it, I want you to, to go and to, to forgive them and to show them grace. And maybe you were so hurt and so wounded that your knee-jerk reaction was to be like, uh no, and to turn the other way and start running, right? And maybe we're not maybe we're not quite that overt with it, but maybe we just sort of keep going and going on with our life and pretend like we didn't really hear the Lord on that one. Right? Or maybe we just kind of ignore, like, oh yeah, we're we're reading through and we we read that, we kind of skip over that page and kind of go to the next one. We don't really want anybody here ever run away from something like that? It could it could be forgiveness, it could be Money thing. This is a pretty common one, and maybe God has been speaking to you about generosity, about giving to God and to others that are in. Maybe He's been talking to you about the craziness of debt, and that you need to be free and start working, you know, really going after debt and retiring that in your life, so that you're not enslaved by it anymore. and And you're kind of looking at your budget, and you're like, "This is like hard. This is like crazy." And you're thinking, "Uh, no, <laughs> that's I, I have." very little money to begin with, God, I don't need you meddling. I don't need you messing with it. And so we kind of turn and we go our own way. We run away from God. Or maybe there's a purity issue. Maybe it's what you've been looking at on the internet. Maybe it's where you let your mind wander to. Maybe it's that like you've been going further and further and further with, into a relationship and towards somebody that is not your spouse, and you know it's wrong. You know the Holy Spirit's been tapping you on the shoulder for a while, saying, "Uh, no, this is not the direction. You need to turn back. You need to find repentance. Turn back and come home to me." And yet you're like, "You know what? That's you're meddling in my life, God. Right? I'm just gonna. I need to just be able to be free to do whatever I want. It's not that big a deal anyway." And For internally, right, at least in some way, we turn and we run away from the Lord and we go our own way. It could be all kinds of things, right? It could be that God starts prompting us to love somebody that's unlovable or to serve somebody that we would rather not. It could be something to do with greed or maybe something to do with the words that come out of our mouth, the gossip and the slander and the biting tongue and comments that we, that we have inside of us that tend to come out, and God's been convicting us and speaking and saying, you know, it's time to quit those things. And we're like, uh, no, God, I'm just going to heal my own way. Probably the most common uh, testimony that you hear uh, these days goes something like this. And it's, it's a running from god story they start out they say well i grew up going to church or we went to church sometimes i believed in god uh we did the right thing and then i graduated from high school and i went to college or i, I moved out on my own or whatever and uh and i just sort of sidelined up and i just decided i'm going to go my own way and maybe maybe it wasn't a conscious decision saying oh you know no i'm, I'm going to turn my back and go directly from god but but either passively or actively one way or another We end up turning our backs and running away from God and and typically we hear people go further and further and further and further until something happens and they hit bottom, right? And the pain level starts going up and up and up and then finally they come to their sense that they have an aha moment where they're like, man, I think what I was looking for is way back there was found with God. But it's a running story. That's the most common story that you hear in one way or another. We have all... Turn our backs on God. We have gone our own way. We have run, run away and, and kind of pushed God out of the picture and said, "You know what? I want to have my own life, my own story. I want to do my own stuff. I don't want—I don't want somebody telling me what to do." There's a little bit of Jonah in all of us, isn't there? There's a little bit of Jonah in you. There's a little bit of Jonah in the All of us run from God at times. And there are either areas of our lives that we try to hold God out of, or even there's entire seasons of our lives where we just don't want to follow God, and so we run. But we do so to our own peril. Let me keep going. Second, second thing we're going to kind of look at is that running sooner or later leads to self destruction. Listen to more of the story. I'm going to start with verse 3 and keep, keep reading. It says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went down aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. (laughs) Good luck with that, right? Anybody uh, think that they can flee from the Lord? (laughs) This is not something that happens. God is everywhere, but this is what we do. He tries to flee from the Lord. Verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wave on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and they cried out, uh, and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to try and lighten the ship but Jonah had gone down below decks where he lay down uh, and fell into a deep sleep the captain went to him and said how can you sleep, get up and call on your God maybe he will take notice of us and he will not perish verse 7 then the sailors said, the sailors said to each other come let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity they cast lots and the lot fell to Jonah he's outed by lots right i mean so they asked him tell us who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us what kind of uh, what kind of work do you do where do you come from what is your country from what people are you and he answered i am a hebrew and i worship the lord the god of heaven the one who made the sea and the dry lands verse 10 this terrified them and they asked what have you done <laughs> They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. And so they asked him, what should we do to you to make this sea calm down for us? (laughs) Pick me up and throw me down into the sea, he replied, and it will be calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Well, eventually, friends, when you and I, if we're running from God, our lives will start to unravel. They'll start to self-destruct. It'll start a downward spiral in our lives. Eventually, you'll have to, you'll have to experience or face the consequences of all the dangerous and the unwise decisions that we have made in our lives eventually they'll come full circle. There's kind of no avoiding it. If you run, you'll eventually self-destruct. There's this interesting contrast that goes all the way through the book of Jonah. Uh, and I just want to kind of, you see it a little bit in the uh, in the NIV translation that we're reading from, but it's actually in the original language. You can see that it, it's all over the place. But at the beginning of the story, when God speaks to Jonah, he asks Jonah to rise up. It says, go to Nineveh, and then he runs away from God. And from that point forward, it starts this downward spiral. I want you to listen to this. this starting in verse 3, this downward process, this downward spiral. In verse 3, it's, uh, it says this. Be- Uh, Jonah, from that point, went down to Joppa, right? He went down into the ship. In verse 5, he went down into the bottom of the ship. In verse 15, he went down into the sea. And in verse 17, he went down into the belly of the fish. You see the picture? He's saying, man, you run away from God. What starts happening? It's this downward spiral, and you keep going Further and deeper and deeper into the hole right you're going you're circling the drain it's kind of the the picture of what he's saying you're just going down and down and down and down and down his life began to self-destruct I mean what kind of self-destruction came uh, Jonah's way well there's all kinds of stuff there's the horrific storm a storm that's strong enough to scare the crap out of professional fishermen right that had to be a pretty significant (laughs) significant one it's a pretty bad deal He was thrown overboard, left for dead, and expected to die in the middle of a storm. Pretty significant consequence. There was some degree of guilt. In verse 12, he says, it's all my fault. What have I done kind of thing? And eventually, he gets swallowed up by a fish. Right, for three days and three nights spends it in the stomach of a, of a giant fish. To which, you might have that kind of picture from Pinocchio. <laughs> for those of you that are old right, and have seen Pinocchio, you might think, oh, how bad can that be? He's kind of floating on a raft in the middle of it. Right? I mean, there's this big, huge air pocket you can kind of paddle your way through. so no, that's not at all what it would be like. I mean, I want you to think about, they've actually done some studies, some research in sperm whales and some different kinds of whales like this and said, you know what? Actually, the reality is, their stomach is much smaller than you think. There's enough room in there for air, but likely the the, lining, the acidic lining of the stomach would be in around you, maybe touching you, probably burning you over the course of days. There would be partially digested fish and whatever else whales eat, I don't know. Look, krill, right? I mean, like whatever those things are. But, but like, like the, so partially digested kind of stuff, like how do you think that would smell? How do you think that would be to, who would like to, maybe, that, maybe it's an all-inclusive deal, right? Who would like to sign up for that, that kind of getaway? It sounds, it would actually be horrible. Three days and three days, you'd probably come out looking anemic, your ass acid washed on your face, your clothes, you would stink to high heaven. I mean, can you imagine, it would be nasty. Friends, when you and I run from God, we will eventually face the music. We will self-destruct. We will start this downward spiral. The pain level will start going up and up and up and up and up in our lives. I mean, think about it. When we turn our backs on, just think about this for a second. We're turning our backs on the source of life. We're, we're, We're turning our backs on the only source in the universe of true unconditional love. For turning our backs on our Creator, the one who has loved us, that has good plans for us, the one that, that is from which we can find hope, and, and, and from which is the oh, probably the only salvation possible. From the belly of a whale, from the belly of a fish, right? If you're looking, if you're looking for salvation, you better be crying out for the Lord at that point, right? He's the only one that can bust in and save. The only one who is truly in control of all the craziness happening in our world, all the craziness even happening in His life. Sooner or later, happens. Whether it's the the, the prodigal son who comes to the end of his rope and finally realizes, here I am feeding pigs, and the pig food is better than what I have to eat, right? There's this moment where the, the prodigal Son comes to his senses and he turns back home. It's a similar thing for Jonah. Jonah ends up, he goes down and down and down and down and down, and he has this moment where he comes to his senses. He's like, This is horrible. What have I done? Sooner or later, our lives will self destruct. But listen to this not just yours though, either it's yours, but our running from God also impacts those around us. That's the third thing I'm just going to mention uh, pretty quickly. Running hurts those around us as well. I mean, think about this. Think about the sailors, maybe the owner of the boat, if you will. What did they ever do? What did they do in this whole story? What's, what are they responsible for? They sold a ticket, maybe, to Jonah, or whatever. Right? They allowed him to come on board and to be on their ship. That was if they're, they're what they what their contribution to this is merely to be around Jonah right it's, it's primarily and we see this in the story it's primarily Jonah's rebellion from God and yet it impacts so many others these, these sailors get scared out of their wits right they are scared out of their minds. And, uh, and, and so you, there's a fear, there's some anxiety, there's stuff that goes with that. At one point, they think the, the whole ship is going to shipwreck it, so they start throwing all their cargo overboard into the sea. Now think about this. What do you suppose that cargo is? What do you think? Fish. What's that? Fish. fish. What else? What does that fish represent? Money. Money. It's their livelihood, right? This, it, They probably are throwing their supplies overboard. They're throwing their any shot at income I mean this is going to impact them in significant ways when the when the ship eventually gets back to port at that point they weren't sure but it, when it gets back to port they'd be like cool where's your cash cool where's where's your supplies cool where's whatever what they're like we threw it overboard they could lose their jobs I mean it, it could be a massive deal like this is a big deal there's a significant cost and not to mention they're scared to death that they are going to die they either convinced of it But they're going to die at sea. All because they took the ticket and let somebody on board that was running from God. Friends, listen to this. If you are running from God, if I am running from God, then your wife or your husband, your kids, they will be injured by the shrapnel from your life. It won't be their fault. But it's true. It's going to happen. It will negatively impact those around you. And I think all of us have probably experientially, we know this to be true, Right? I mean, many of us have stories or seasons where we bear wounds from a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or a friend, somebody else that was running from God. They might not have even known it, but they were just going their own way, right? They were living for themselves, and we ended up being wounded when they went and found a new family. Or we got wounded by their anger or their dissatisfaction with life or their addictions or their words or whatever we've experienced this we have seen this and it's true isn't it let's keep reading Jonah tells the men to throw him overboard verse 13 but instead the men did their best to row back to land but they could not for the sea grew even wilder than before then they cried out to the Lord please Lord do not let us die for taking this man's life Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And they took Jonah, and they threw him overboard into the sea, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of that fish three days and three nights. And that takes us to our last the last thing i want to kind of look at today just to be reminded of is that god calls runners home he'll do whatever he can do to bring runners home verse four says that after jonah ran away it says that the lord set a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up and then in verse 17 is the next one says now the lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. It's interesting to notice, right? Who is behind all this? Who sent the winds? Who provided the fish? What's the answer? The The Lord, right? This is important because when we run, right, God allows the consequences and the pain. Sometimes he even amplifies them or sends stuff our way to get our attention. He sent the storm to get Jonah's attention, to get the attention of those on his ship. He was pursuing them, each one of them, because they mattered to God so he pursued him. He sent the storm. He sent the fish. And it worked. By the end of the story, even the pagan sailors were putting their faith in Christ. They are putting their faith in God. But they're, they're repenting. They're offering sacrifices. They're doing the whole thing. He brought a fish and let Jonah sit in its stomach for three days and three nights. Why? Listen to this. He didn't do it to punish Jonah. He did it to bring Jonah back to him. The story of Jonah is, is a story about running from God, yes but it's primarily about a God who cares, a God who forgives, a God who gives second chances, right? I mean, even to the Ninevites, right? Even to the the pagan, brutal conquerors that are out there. He's He longs to be gracious to them, to to, to, to forgive them, to bring them back home, to restore them, and on and on. He cared about Jonah so much that he pursued him again and again, even in the midst of the downward spiral, right? Downward spiral, he's calling to Jonah and trying to draw him home. Friends, some of us are here this morning and we know about that kind of pain. We know about some of those kinds of consequences. Maybe you're feeling very far from God. Maybe you feel afraid and alone like nobody cares or nobody sees you. But there's no way to fix what's going on in your life. But I have to say, friends, listen to this. There is a God who sees. There is a God who cares. A God who is orchestrating. A God who is even sometimes allowing or providing storms in our lives to bring us back to Him. He cares too much about you to let you let you keep you know reaping the the, uh, the fruit of running away from him. He cares too much about you for life. And so he's sending storms, he's allowing storms in our lives to bring us, to draw us back to him. I mean, I know that 2020 has not been a terribly great year for a lot of people. It's been a scary season, I think, for for many of us, maybe most of us. It's been incredibly stretching. But I want you to, I want you to hear this and think about this: that even in the midst of fear, even in the midst of anxiety, even in the midst of uncertainty and all this kind of stuff, I wonder if God isn't trying to use this storm to draw you and you back to Him, to keep us. Uh, bring us back home to keep us from running from Him. Maybe not in big ways. Maybe not in the whole lifestyle. We're, we're church people, right? We're here at church in the middle of a pandemic. We're, we're you know, certainly it's not... But maybe in, in small ways, maybe in some areas of our lives where we're holding Him out. Maybe just in ways that we just busy ourselves and look for peace and in, in all the stuff that we're craving, stability. We look in all the other places, but but, but Either way, it keeps us running away from the Lord. We're never stopping and turning around and looking back to the Lord for all that we need and crave. What if this season, what if God is working and speaking in ways to draw you in and back to Him? In ways to draw us into His book where we can hear His voice once again. In ways where He draws us to our knees, where we open up our hearts and turn our lives and our homes and our hearts back to Him when we do that when we when we finally come to our wits end when we when the pain threshold gets high enough that we finally quit trying to do it all ourselves or we quit trying to run or we quit trying to whatever we finally fall to our knees we look to god we say god would you forgive me for that I, i'm all in like what do you what do you want from me lead and i'll follow when we finally get to that point i want you to see what happens we're going to we're going to see this from Jonah chapter 2, I'm just going to read a little bit of it, but I want you to, I want you to pay attention because he, he Jonah here finally reaches his wit's end. He cries out to the Lord. We'll see this in verse 1. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried out, right, to the God, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of, of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. This is sort of the turning point of the entire story for Jonah. It's the turning point for us as well. From the bottom of the ocean, he cries out to God, and what happens? Listen to this, verse five: "To the roots of the mountains I sank down; the earth beneath uh, barred me in forever." But then listen to this: "But you, Lord; but you, Lord, my God, you brought my life. What's the next word? Up from the pit." When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose, rose up, right, to you, to your holy temple. It's the first time uh, since the beginning of chapter 1 that we see the word up used like that. Repentance or turning back to God is what stops the crazy downward spiral. It starts taking us back up towards God. It aligns our lives with the love of God once again. When Jonah hits bottom, he looks up and he starts back to God and he hope. He finds forgiveness. He finds restoration with God. God hears and answers and rescues. It's job to verse 9. I want you to see a couple more of these. Uh, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you, God. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited me. What's the word, you think? Up onto dry ground, onto dry land. That's, that's, that's fascinating. So he spits Jonah up. Back up onto the beach, on the dry dry ground, and he speaks to him again. And the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time and says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And this time, what does Jonah say? Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. Like, Why didn't I think of that? Right? And he decides he's going to obey the Lord. And again, this is part of the deal. This is part of how God draws us home. But from the moment we hit bottom, whatever that might be, and we look up and we surrender, right? We, we, we repent. We turn around so we're heading away from God. We stop. We turn back to God. We cry out for forgiveness. All of a sudden, it starts this upward spiral. It starts seeing this up and up and up and up that happens, and the Lord is listening and the Lord is answering prayer and the Lord is bringing forgiveness and pouring out his grace giving second chances and third chances and fourth chances to those of us who need it which is all of us because all of us are runners right? All of us need God's grace like this and this is really the story of the gospel. It's the story of how we run from God. We run over and over and over again but God pursues us because he loves us and he sacrifices to bring us home we even went to the cross right, to pay the price for our sins so that we can come home so that we can be forgiven so that our prayers can be heard from on high so that the downward spiral can be severed once and for all and we can step into new life with God I don't know where you're at with the Lord this morning. I'm not sure how he is speaking to you, but I'll I'll tell you one thing is for sure. Whether big ways or small, I bet all of us have even little ways or some ways in which we are not exactly in line with the Lord. We're we're kind of letting away. Maybe we're just passively ignoring what he's saying to us. The word of the Lord is coming to us. We're like, I can't hear you. La, la, la. Maybe we're like, I'm not paying attention. I'm just going to keep doing my stuff. Maybe the word of the Lord's coming to us, but we are so deaf from being busy on our smartphones and with whatever social media and what the news is saying and all the fear and panic and crazy and all that because maybe we're we're, we're so deaf we can't hear but the Lord is speaking. The Lord is calling to you. He longs to bring you home to restore you, to forgive you, to bring you back home. And this morning, whether in big ways or small, man, I want all of us to hear the word of the Lord and respond and turn back to Him and just in our own hearts, just cry out, God, I need you. Would you forgive me for the ways that I'm running? The, The things I'm trying to hold back from you, God, I surrender. Would you forgive me? I want, I need you. Would you come and save me? Would you come and forgive me? Would you come and restore me? Would you come and cut out that downward spiral, my hope and my life and my all, it's found in you. Friends, that's my cry this morning. I hope that's your cry as well. I want to close us in prayer uh, but really just the words of the prayer are not so important. The heart behind it is way more important. Let's just kind of, if you're comfortable, I know it's my me but if you're comfortable, why don't you open up your hands just as a kind of a, a picture of surrender to the Lord this morning. And just, and just if we're going to pray, we're just going to say, God, I'm yours. We need you. Would you come and fill? Would you come and restore? Put your hands out. Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, would you forgive us for the ways that we run, for the ways that we go our own way, the, the ways that we... Uh, bigger or smaller kind of turned our backs on you and decided to go on the way forgive us cleanse us and would you bring us back home this morning I pray God that you would work in, in hearts and in lives this morning that we would uh, that this would be the bottom that we would turn to you that we would look to you to be quick to cry out for forgiveness that you would meet us here. And that we run back into your loving and gracious lives. God, we long to come home. We long for what only you can give, what only you can do in our lives. We long for your presence and your peace and your joy and your life. And we just pray, come, Lord Jesus, come and live your life in us. Come and restore us and bring us home. We love you, God. We, need you. we offer ourselves to you afresh this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And